if you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of We're Talking Shift. Ah, today, the big C is the topic, cancer. Uh, we're all really more familiar with it than we'd like to be. It's the second leading cause of death in the U.S., killing about 600,000 people a year. Um, and if we haven't experienced it directly ourselves, we certainly all have either had a family member or a friend, somebody close to us who has. I know for me, um, it came close. Or it was close. My mom died from cancer, and uh, so did my husband's mom. Uh, I, I really dislike cancer. Uh, but what I dislike even more is when people are, when they're not prescribed every conceivable course of action by every doctor to help them overcome it. I really, really dislike that. I dislike it when they are not informed of the power that they have within themselves to heal. I dislike it uh, when the medical establishment poo-poos alternative healing methods or says that diet and lifestyle don't pay, play a significant role. And, and that's annoying because even though the traditional medical estab establishment hasn't seemed to figure out a definitive cure, um, they denounce anything that isn't their standard protocol. So that's interesting. Um, here's what I like about cancer. I like that it's a wake-up call. I like that it's a, it's a result of something, not a cause, which means you do have some choices and you do have some alternative protocols that have been shown to work for a lot of people. And here's the other thing that I wonder, what makes some people able to beat this thing and others succumb to it? So I'm hoping that today's guest, I know he will, Chris Wark is going to, uh, is going to be able to answer some of my questions. We're going to talk about how Chris beat cancer. And uh, before we dive into that, though, let me just take a second to tell you a little bit about Chris. He, uh, he was a young adult cancer survivor. Well, he still is, I guess. He, he was young when he was diagnosed, though. Um, after surgery, Chris made the decision to go against his doctor's advice, uh, what I would call going rogue declining chemotherapy and instead he chose to use nutrition and natural therapies to heal six years later in 2010 chris began sharing his story of faith courage and determination he began spreading his message of hope the chronic disease like cancer can be prevented and reversed with a radical transformation of diet and lifestyle so in the last decade, Chris has become, well, one of the most well-known cancer survivors on the planet. He reaches millions of people per year as a blogger, a podcaster, a speaker, and a global health coach through his books, his social media, and his website, which is chrisbeatcancer.com. Chris is the author of the national bestseller, Chris Beat Cancer, a comprehensive plan for healing naturally, published by Hay House in 2018. Two years later, they published Chris's second book, 
Beat Cancer Daily, which is 365 days of inspiration, encouragement, and action steps to survive and thrive. And his third book, Beat Cancer Kitchen, deliciously simple plant-based anti-cancer recipes is due out very soon, within the next week or two, I believe. Chris is also the creator of the Square One Cancer Coaching Program, which has been shared with over 1 million people globally since 2017. Amazing, Chris. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. Hi, Laurie. Good to be with you. It's good to have you. Uh, I know that you are a busy guy, so I really, really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. Um, so I, I think for people that are, are not familiar with your story, uh, let's, let's start there. If you want to give, I know you've been asked to do this a million times, but if you don't, if you don't mind doing it again, I would love for you to share um, what happened uh, at age 26 when you were diagnosed. Tell us the story. Yeah. And so in 2010, I started a blog called Chris Beat Cancer. And I was thinking, uh, this was six and a half years after my diagnosis. I was thinking, well, if I, maybe if I start this blog, I can share my story online and then I won't have to tell it so much. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but uh, no, I love, I love to tell my story. So uh, I was diagnosed with colon cancer at 26 years old. And December 2003, after months of abdominal pain that started off very mild and then over the course of about a year got progressively worse and it became clear to me that whatever was going on in my body wasn't getting better. And um, so I went in for a colonoscopy and they found a golf ball sized tumor in my large intestine. They took a biopsy and called me a day or so later and said, Hey, it's colon cancer. So I should mention that, uh, you know, young adult colon cancer is one of the fastest growing cancers. In other words, more people are being diagnosed with colon cancer at younger ages than many other types of cancer. And, uh, it is one That's of the weird. most common. Yeah, it's weird, but there are, there are reasons. It's not a mystery, which I can get into. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the colonoscopy is a procedure that they, they used to recommend for everyone over 50. Now they've lowered the age to 45. Again, I was diagnosed at 26. So if you have family history of colon cancer, you m might be able to get a colonoscopy much earlier and get it covered by insurance. Uh, and if you're 45 or older, I just suggest you get one because if there's a polyp in your colon, they can snip it off. There's no pain. You don't feel anything. And that will never become a tumor, right? Never become a cancerous tumor. So anyway, um, I was told we got to get you into surgery right away uh, and get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you. This was a few days before Christmas. And I, and I said, look, can we at least not, can I postpone it till after Christmas? Because the cancer industry often, uh, they rush patients into treatment uh, before they even know what's happening to them. I mean, it's such a whirlwind of fear and urgency and so patients are often in surgery within a couple days or in starting chemo within a couple days or radiation therapy. I've even heard stories of them starting the next day. And why do you think they do that? Why do you think they are rushing them as opposed to take some time, think about it, weigh your options, get a second opinion? Why do you think that they are so crazy about getting them into treatment, into traditional treatment as fast as possible? 
Well, the main reason is money. That's the main reason. Not surprising. Not yeah, surprising. The sooner you can get a person uh, in treatment, uh, the the more the more money you make. And the cancer industry and most of medicine is dependent on sick people. In the U.S., our medical yeah. system is broken, and it's not. It's called healthcare, which makes you think they care about your health, but they don't. Uh, and I'm not yeah. talking about individuals. I'm talking about the system itself is is has been perverted and, uh, and deliberately organized in a way to extract the most amount of revenue from every patient, especially in the cancer industry. And in terms of other chronic diseases, you know, most people are not getting well, their doctors are not helping them heal. They're just getting on prescription drugs mm -hmm. and they're managing their right. symptoms. And they're not told, hey, you yeah. can actually reverse this. You can heal. You can get well. You don't have to live with this condition, right? High blood pressure, mm -hmm. uh, di diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. Um, yeah. Autoimmune disease, inflammatory diseases, cancers, things like that. So that's it's a huge problem, yeah. you know, and all if you just follow the money, it's 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 not a conspiracy. It's yeah. just greed, <laughs> right? It's just greed. It, right. It's yeah. I've, I've often I've often said that, you know, really, patients are now they're not really patients now they're customers. And if you look at this in the business of medicine, um, I mean, any good business wants repeat business, they want their customers coming back, right? They don't want to solve their problem forever, because then they don't, <laughs> they don't have them coming back spending money. Right. And it, I think if many you have doctors, that perspective, yeah, many doctors would would be you know, out of business, hospitals would be closed if we if we really cared about health, right? If people were really treated in, in a way that was geared toward prevention with diet and lifestyle interventions, yeah. uh, there would be far less need, very, very little need for pharmaceuticals, very little need for hospitals and, uh, you know, medical clinics on, virtually on every corner. So, yeah. And I look around and I see these big multi-million dollar, you know, medical facilities being erected constantly. And I'm just thinking, this is insane. There are so many sick people. What is wrong? Right. So that's a rabbit trail. Yeah. I was. But what did, so what did, yeah. So coming back, what did your doctors suggest that you do? And on top of that, what did they say not to do? Well, in the beginning, it was just you got to have surgery. There, that was the only suggestion, right? There was no, there's no education. I was just told we got to get you in surgery right away. So I would have been in surgery within a couple of days, but uh, because of Christmas, I postponed it to December 30th because I just wanted to be with my family on Christmas. And I went in and they took out a third of my large intestine where the tumor was and a bunch of lymph nodes. And when I woke up, they said it's worse than we thought. You're stage three C which means that it spread to the lymph nodes and it was on its way to my liver or my lungs or wherever. <clears throat> so, and I was told you need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. So the difference between stage two and stage three at that time was stage two, they send you home after surgery and you're done. Stage three, you gotta do chemo because it's spreading. But th the truth about cancer is that cancer cells leave a primary tumor site before it's even big enough to detect on a scan. So circulating tumor cells and circulating cancer stem cells leave the tiniest, tiniest little lesion. And they're looking for other places in the body to set up shop, right? 
to, to form new tumors. That's what they're trying to do. And your immune system, you have special immune cells that identify and eliminate cancer cells, natural killer cells, or one of those types of cells. And so the reason uh, that cancer doesn't spread all over your body is because your immune system is working and it's fighting it off. And that's really the difference between a person with tumors and no tumors. So if you have a tumor or multiple tumors, the, essentially the problem is your immune system, right? That's the problem because cancer cells are your cells. This is your body, your cells, your DNA, right? There's mutiny happening and your body is in a state where cancer can thrive. And so the goal, what I figured out was, is to get your body out of a pro-cancerous state into a pro-health and healing state. And a pro-cancerous state is one that is inflamed and immunosuppressed. So those two things are the key, right? Inflammation and immunosuppression create what's called a hospitable environment to cancer. Okay, so I didn't know any of this in 2000, in December 2003 and early January 2004, but um, I, I was a very typical cancer patient. I was clueless. I'd never seen anybody go through treatment. You know, I had seen chemo patients out in the world and thought, wow, you know, when you see someone who's emaciated and has no hair and they're, they're pale, right? Or their skin is more like yellow yeah. and they're just so frail and fragile. And a lot of times yeah. wearing a mask, this was back when only advanced chemo patients wore masks, right? Mm -hmm. because their immune system was destroyed, right? It's like, why, I remember like, why are they wearing a mask? It's like, oh, because chemo, you know, destroyed his immune system. So <laughs> that made an impression on me just as a, as a young person, just seeing somebody at the mall mm -hmm. or, some, you know, or somewhere or at a restaurant where you're like, oh my gosh, what's, what's going on with that person? What's wrong with that person, mom? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, right. So I, that's the only experience I had with cancer, right? It's just from sort of from afar, just seeing patients and being very concerned about a human in that physical state. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had some resistance to that idea, you know, like, gosh, I don't want to be that. And a couple things happened in the hospital that got me thinking about the, the healthcare industry and, uh, and the first thing that happened was the very first meal that they served me, which was a sloppy Joe. And this was the first meal after cutting out a third of my large intestines and just stitching oh. it back up. And then here you go. <laughs> right. So that was that, strange. That's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, this is the worst, <laughs> just terrible garbage cafeteria food right industrial cafeteria food that you imagine ex that they serve yeah. at summer camp or in the military or in prison and they're serving it to <laughs> right. hospital you know to cancer patients in the hospital right or, or heart or people that just had a heart attack or a quadruple bypass or whatever. like it's just crazy so illogical so illogical yeah. <clears throat> and then the other thing that happened was a few days later they said okay you're you know you can go home today and my surgeon came in to check on me and I said, hey, is there any food I need to avoid? Right. Because I'm just don't want to eat the wrong thing if there's a wrong thing. And he said, right. uh, no, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Wow. 
I mean, I'm not surprised, but I'm always surprised because it just seems like the the two, it seems very obvious that what you eat and your lifestyle play a role in your health. And so to completely distance those two things from each other, like, you know, your body's just more like a car and we just need to replace this part and, you know, change the oil and, and you'll be fine. It doesn't matter what kind of fuel you put in it, but it matters, right? You, you can't, you can't pour, you can't pour corn syrup into your gas tank and expect the car to run. So it's just so weird that, that the industry still, still treats us, our bodies, like it's all just individual mechanical parts and one thing doesn't affect the other, especially the fuel. It's really fascinating. Right. And you know, um, your body So did is... you have beer and sloppy joes? <laughs> for sure. For sure. That's, that is the formula for health and healing, right? Sloppy joes and beer. Uh, the car analogy is a good one because, you know, you're, there is a, you know, a, a car has one ideal fuel source, right? gasoline or maybe diesel. <clears throat> right. Um, the human body, of course, is a miraculously designed, we can use all kinds of food for fuel. And uh, but there, there is a category of ideal fuel sources <laughs> that are superior, yeah. right, you can eat, right, you can eat Twinkies only right and your body will do its best to extract energy and from that food right to keep you alive yeah. but over time you will develop deficiencies and problems and chronic disease if all you're eating is twinkies right so right um so and that's what's happening to us is we can eat a horrible diet for many many years and survive but chronic disease will manifest over time it doesn't happen overnight right so right. people, I think it's important to understand there's a big difference between chronic and infectious disease, right? Infectious disease happens really fast, right? Chronic disease takes years. And yeah, but, but they have uh, many things in common. And the, the number one thing in common is a strong immune system or a weak immune system, right? A weak immune system yeah. will make you vulnerable to infectious disease. A weak immune system yep. makes you vulnerable to chronic disease. So when you look at the people who are most vulnerable to cancer, these are the same people who are most vulnerable to COVID-19. It's the same, it's the same group of people. They're people who are extremely unwell, have weak immune systems and multiple chronic diseases in yes. man, that have manifested in their body. So the good news is, is that you can make choices that will eliminate chronic disease, right, to help your body heal, and keep you in the lowest risk category of ever mm -hmm. developing cancer, heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease, MS, etc. So, you know, again, these are things I didn't know back then, but that I've learned in almost 18 years of surviving cancer and studying nutritional science and interviewing dozens and dozens of doctors and patients and survivors and uh, PhD yeah. scientists. And so it really is encouraging wonderful information. And really, it's common sense. And I think the truth is self evident. And you know, when you hear it, you just know, yeah, okay, that's, that's true. And so yeah, when I was thinking about my life and my future, and, and, you know, I really did not like the idea, and didn't understand the idea of poisoning my way back to health. 
It just, it did not make sense. I'm not the most analytical person. I'm, I'm a, you know, uh, ready, fire, aim (laughs) type of person. And so I, I, I am an action oriented person. I I like to take action and figure things out as I go. Right. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, I didn't have much information. It's like, not like I did a whole bunch of research, but it just instinctively, I thought this is, this is not going to be good for me. Right. This is going to be, you intuitively knew that this was not the right thing. Like this is going to be brutal. I'm going to suffer. It's going to cause other problems in my body. Uh, you know, I just didn't like the idea. And so I prayed about it. My wife and I prayed together about it. And I just said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me, right? Just show me I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm desperate, like help. And, you know, when you pray that way, you got to pay attention to what happens around you, you know? Well, two days later, I got a book that showed up on my doorstep that was sent to me from a man in Alaska who knew my dad. I'm in Tennessee. And I start reading this book and it was written by a man who had healed his colon cancer by radically changing his diet. His name is George Malcolmus. And he had done this, uh, you know, something like 30 years, Mm. 25 years before, uh, you know, 25 years ago. Right. Yeah. And uh, before that time. And I, started reading his story and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This, I prayed, I asked for something, this showed up, this is it, right? This is the answer to my prayer. It was very clear to me, I need to do what this guy did. And what he did was he adopted a raw food diet. He started eating raw fruits and vegetables and started juicing vegetables, carrots. And within a year, his tumor was gone, his body healed, right? It wasn't a miracle cure, right? It was the, the natural process of healing that was supported mm-hmm. by his decision to change his diet and his life. And so I realized in, in reading his book and his story, I realized the way I'm living is killing me. The how are you I'm living? living What's that? So how were you living? So, so you, you know, you get to the point where you discover this and you're going to like make this, these radical changes, um, starting with your diet, it sounds like, I'm sure that we'll get into it more about other things that you changed as well. But what, what then, how did that differ from what you were doing before that you feel was, you know, your lifestyle, what were the contributing factors you feel that led up to you having this diagnosis? Well, I was eating the standard American diet, which is known as the Western diet. And that's mm-hmm. a diet that's really high in animal food. So lots of meat and dairy, lots of processed food, junk food, sugar, salt, and oils. Mm-hmm. And this is a diet that everyone's eating. We live in a rich country and food's everywhere. And we don't think about the quality of our food. We only think about the way it tastes, right? Mm-hmm. That's all we care about is does it taste good? We don't care what's in it. What do they make it out of? Right. And so I was a junk food connoisseur for sure. Uh, And again, most people don't get cancer at 26. It got me early, but diet is a huge contributing factor to cancer and chronic disease, period. You can look around the world at the rates of cancer in other countries, and you will see there are many, many countries, dozens and dozens of countries around the world with much lower rates of cancer than the U.S. 
And then if you drill down and yeah. you actually investigate the culture in these countries, whether you're looking at China or Southeast Asia or South America, I mean, even Mexico has half the cancer rates of the U.S., right? Uh, it's, it's almost always rural areas, uh, what we call third world, so low income or poor countries yeah. where people are mostly eating plants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're eating plant food because yeah. animal protein is scarce yeah. and it's expensive and it's a luxury food. Right. We, we, most, most of us have never even heard that, don't, that, that eating animals is actually a luxury for rich people, right? Mm -hmm. And we live in a rich nation, mm -hmm. and whether you feel rich or not, you are rich compared to the other 99% of people in the world, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Like if you make yeah. $30,000 yeah. a year, you're in the 1% mm -hmm. of the world richest, world's richest people. So exactly. Yeah. So anyway, you look around the world. And well, and I was just going to say everywhere. to your point, to your point about that, though, also, you know, there have been plenty of, of, of studies um, where they've shown that cultures that have started to adopt the standard American diet, the sad diet, that's when you see the diseases, the standard Western diseases start to percolate in those cultures and they start to go on the rise. So yeah. it's pretty obvious. Yeah, that... they rise in lockstep. And, and there's a lot of studies on this, a lot of research on this. You look at the parts of China that have become industrialized, right? And the, mm -hmm. yeah, and the rates of diabetes, heart disease and cancer go, go up right in line with in, the rates of industrialization. And uh, yeah. because what happens is the food supply changes and the first thing that people who are uh, in poverty who basically have no money to speak of the first thing that they spend money on when they start to get money so for example when a uh, a corporation builds a factory in the middle of nowhere china right and then all these villagers come and work, start working at this factory and all of a sudden now they have money they the first thing they spend that money on is meat it's meat right? Meat is a luxury food for people with money. So anyway, um, yeah, I, again, I'm rabbit trailing, but that's the way I, I always do when I tell my story, because yeah. there's a lot of points to be made that's good. so that it makes sense, yes. right? You have to have a larger perspective uh, on what's going around the, on around the world and in the cancer industry to understand why my story uh, is relevant. But uh, yes, I, so I, I radically changed my diet. That was the first thing I did overnight to a raw food diet, organic fruits and vegetables, bought a juicer, started juicing. And I was really excited about this, uh, this notion that I could overdose on nutrition. And I instinctively believed that it would be good for me, right? That was easy to believe like, oh yeah, eating tons of fruits and vegetables are only fruits and vegetables. Man, that's got to be good for me. So I was excited about doing it. And uh, mm -hmm. it wasn't hard. It just was not hard to do. I well, I'd made up my mind and I'd started the, started it. In the first couple of days, I felt a little weird, low energy and, and whatever. And that, that's typical when you radically change your diet like that from an unhealthy one to a healthy one. You're going to have food withdrawal and you're going to have some detoxification symptoms. They call it the Herxheimer effect. And, uh, but once you get over that hump a few days in, you start to feel good, you turn a corner and, you know, I had more energy. I was sleeping better and, and just feeling better. My mood was better. I was just more optimistic about the future. And 
I had gotten control over my life. And having a sense of control is, uh, it, it actually has physical benefits in your body, hope, and a sense of control actually reduce inflammation in your body. They shift your body out of a fight or flight state, an inflammatory state, into a rest and digest state, into a healing state. And so that was happening. Uh, and, and I didn't realize, it, I didn't understand it at the time, I do now. And um, so I, I realized that I had this sort of epiphany, which is, well, if I can do this, what else can I do, right? If I can radically change my diet, what else can I do? What else do I need to do? I, I need to change my whole life and I need to figure mm -hmm. out what, what in my life is promoting disease, right? And what's promoting health? And I need to identify every potential contributing factor to cancer and eliminate those things from my life. So that's a process that you can't do overnight, but you can do in a short amount of time yeah. with, with research, right? As you read books from survivors and doctors and experts and listen to interviews and right, you start soaking up knowledge and, and quickly you can figure out, okay, the cancer causes in my life. And I wrote a book called Chris Beat Cancer 15 years after my diagnosis. I didn't rush this book out, <laughs> okay? Yeah. 15 years later, I mean, I learned a lot. And that book really will help anyone identify all the root causes of cancer in their life so you can remove them and replace them with health promoters, as I did. And that book also is a five-chapter expose on the cancer industry and the medical industry. Oh, I love it. you need yeah. to understand that there's a lot of good people in a very corrupt system, and they're just trapped in the system, right? They're doing the best they can, but they have limited uh, power and limited resources available to actually help you, right? That's the right. problem. Like doctors don't have freedom to practice medicine. Doctors are trained to do very specific things and those things only. And if they deviate, they risk losing their reputation, their license, their livelihood. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that. Look what's happened in the last, yeah. you know, year and a half with COVID. Doctors who spoke out right. against, uh, you know, these governmental mandates that were uh, fear-based and doctors who were treating mm -hmm. their patients were going against the official advice, which was do nothing, right? There are no drugs available. You're not allowed to use an, any drug at all to, to help save somebody's life, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard, by the way. If yeah. it was truly an emergency, every drug would be on the table, right? This is an emergency. Right, right. Use all the drugs you got try to save people's lives let us know what's working right that mm -hmm. is what you yeah. do in an emergency so and, you have to ask yourself is this really an emergency right and so what actually happened was they said there are no approved drugs you can't use anything right put them on oxygen and a ventilator and hope for the best and tons of people died for lack of treatment, right? Not because the disease was that right. severe, for some it was, but mo for the most part, they were just not treated at all. And a handful yeah. of doctors who were the good guys and gals uh, were like, well, we're not just gonna let our patients die and do nothing. Like we we've been trained in pharmaceutical medicines. We're gonna use all the medicines at our disposal and figure out which ones are helpful. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and they did. And as soon as they started sharing that information, what happened? 
they were attacked and censored and their reputations were destroyed and they were deleted off social media. It's insane. Oh yeah. It's insane. Labeled as quacks and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They they uh, literally put their reputations on the line. Right. It's like, Hey, we found a a handful of non-toxic drugs that, uh, that seem to be working really well. Like our patients aren't dying, right? They're getting better. They're not dying. Here's what we're doing. Those are unapproved drugs. You're, you know, you're, uh, how dare you prescribe a drug that's off label. That's unethical. Like just all this sort of false virtuosity uh, happening. And, uh, and it's crazy, but look, it wasn't surprising to me. I mean, some of it was, but generally this is the same thing that's been happening in the cancer industry for years, for decades. Patients are rushed into treatment out of fear. They have no idea what's about to happen to them. They don't have time to read and research. They don't have time to think about their life and why they're sick and to examine the root causes of disease in their life. And if you ask any cancer patient, why do you think you got cancer? Almost Mm -hmm. always you will hear one word and that word is stress. They all say it. They all know it. And it's not because their doctor told them it was stress, right? They know it in here that they, yeah. that there are things right. in their life that are wrong, right? They know they have mm-hmm. problems in their life. Their life is a mess and they can just feel it. And they have felt it for years. They have felt the stress of things from their past, problems in their present, worries about the future, right? This, they've just felt this sort of like this constricting, this boa constrictor of stress mm-hmm. in their life. And I can attest Eventually. to that, Chris. I, I can attest to that because I know that's exactly the root cause of what caused colon cancer in my mother. Um, you know, as as these you see this thing playing out before you, and you know, as a holistic nutrition coach, I'm like trying to do everything holistically I can to help her. Juicing, food, where do you want to go? I'll drive you to Mexico. We'll go to the Gerson Institute, you know, whatever. But it, it it was too little, too late. And in retrospect, you know, we we know we my sister and I know, knowing my mother's life, I absolutely 100% know that her condition wasn't necessarily caused by her diet, it was caused from decades, an entire lifetime of stress and repressed emotions. Yeah. Guarantee it. Yeah. Guarantee yeah. I've, it. I've seen it so many times. It's and here's the thing though. When you know, it's I, I love connecting these dots because I feel like it's so empowering. Uh, stress is so little understood. Like we know we know that we're under stress. We feel stress, but we don't we've never been educated, right? Even doctors are not educated on like what is happening in your body when you're in stress. Yeah. And so I want to try to explain it in a, in a way that is simple, because I think simplicity is important and the truth is simple and lies are complicated. So um, mm-hmm. when you're under stress, you're going to find ways to medicate, right? You will find ways to alleviate yourself from stress, from pain, from worry, right? From mm-hmm. suffering, anxiety, right? From all these negative thoughts and emotions. So we distract our conscious mind. Because when your conscious mind is thinking about something that's negative, it produces a negative emotion. So when your conscious mind remembers a person who hurt you, right, that causes anger or bitterness, those emotions, Mm -hmm. resentment, and those emotions 
produce a state of stress, which is fight or flight. And in that state, your body starts pumping hormones, adrenaline and cortisol that suppress your immune system mm -hmm. and promote inflammation. So remember what I said at the very beginning, inflammation and immunosuppression are a state in the body that promote disease. So when you're stressed, you're in a disease promoting state. Now, having a stressful week is not going to give you cancer. So everybody right. relax. It's not like that. But but living in a state of this grinding daily stress, right from the worries and fears and problems in your life, right from unresolved mm -hmm. emotional conflict from your past, like all that stuff piling up in your subconscious creates this stress pressure, and you're going to find ways to medicate. So how do we self-medicate? With food, mm -hmm. with alcohol, with smoking, cigarettes, with drug use, pharmaceuticals, or illegal drugs, mm -hmm. with uh, gambling, with pornography, yeah. shopping, with social mm -hmm. media, with shopping, with living beyond your means, you know, spending yeah. money you don't have, running up debt. So all of these practices are very unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, video game addiction. So and and these ways that we self-medicate sure they do get our mind off of things but they don't solve our problems right and the problem will compound the longer more time that goes by the the bigger the problem gets so it's like a drip think about it. like if your ceiling's dripping uh you can put a bucket under it right and you should because that dripping will probably ruin your hardwood floors right if you have wood floors or soak your carpet or something but you're not solving the problem, right? You're only mitigating the symptoms, right? You're mitigating the damage from this dripping water from your ceiling. Well, if you, if you think that's all you need to do, one day you're gonna have a very rude awakening when your ceiling caves in. Right. Because the sheetrock is saturated with water and it has become too heavy, right? And the yeah. sheetrock and all the insulation in your attic just comes down in, in your bedroom or wherever, right? And then you realize, oh, I should have done something about that leak, that tiny little drip. Mm -hmm. I, wait, I, I just let it drip for way too long. And so that's the same thing with these little stresses and chronic problems in life. It's like that little, those little tiny dripping problems over time, those little nagging things be, will become a big thing, right? The longer you ignore it, the bigger it becomes. Yeah. And, if, and, and so, the solution is not to mitigate the problem or medicate the problem. You've got to get to the root cause and solve it. You got to get up on the roof mm -hmm. and find the hole and patch it. Right? Yes. So water doesn't come in anymore. Right? Water doesn't leak in your roof. Right? You've stopped. You've solved the problem. And so what's the way your, your mind works is when you have problems, your subconscious knows about your problems. Your conscious mind can be easily distracted. But while your conscious mind has been binge watching Netflix or something, your subconscious mind is going, hey, we have this problem, we still have that problem, and we have this other problem, and there's this problem, and that, and, and it's like constantly going, we yeah. got problems. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, running. But what about the problems? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like mm -hmm. Jerry Seinfeld, right? <laughs> we got problems. So, <laughs> right. So your subconscious always knows that means you'll be in a state of stress until the problems mm -hmm. are resolved. Like you would, you're going to worry about your roof leak until you fix it. And then the worry has gone, right? Poof. You don't worry anymore, right? This is the problem is solved. So 
the thing that I had to do and I realized is I had to get to the root cause of my stress and my anxiety and my pain and solve those problems. And uh, and by, so, uh, I feel like I, I explained this, but just, just to recap, when you're stressed, you're going to self-medicate and those self-medicating mm -hmm. behaviors are going to cause you more problems, right? They're going to cause chronic disease, right? The drinking, the smoking, the overeating, right? The becoming uh, overweight or obese, being sedentary. When your uh, obesity is the second leading cause of cancer, mm -hmm. it's the second leading cause. The number one cause is smoking, right? These are both things that we do to ourselves. Like mm -hmm. What you're putting in your mouth, right? Whether it's food or a cigarette, right? Two biggest causes of cancer. So the good news is, and not to blame anyone or make you feel bad about it if you have cancer, but the good news is that you can change what you put in your mouth. Yeah. Right. You can change what you put on your body. You can change the way you think. Mm -hmm. You can change the way you act and treat others in the world. Right. You can yeah. break your bad habits and replace them with good habits. You can get out of this vicious cycle where mm -hmm. your health is spiraling downward and you can create a virtuous cycle where your health spirals up. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Essentially, you can what you're saying, you can reinvent yourself. You are not stuck in this mold and 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 forced to stay on the path that you're on. We right. have we have the ability and the responsibility to reinvent ourselves when we need to, to up level our lifestyle, to up level the way we think, to raise our consciousness, which we've been talking a lot about lately on the show, um, and to completely go rogue go in a whole other direction even if everyone around you is like what is wrong with you you're making a mistake that's ridiculous that's not what our family does this is how we do things you know even when you're going against all of the protocol that's going on around you right you you can do that and and honestly um you you're, you do yourself and the people that you care about that care about you and society as a whole a such a disservice when you shirk that responsibility and you just you just let it happen because it is a choice to just let it happen not in every single 100 percent of cases but when it's lifestyle related things that that means you have choices yeah i love it i mean that's the biggest part of my message uh, is that your choices matter, <laughs> right? Like you can either be the driver of your life or the passenger. If you're the passenger of your life, then you're a victim, yeah. right? Everything just happens to you and you have no control over it. But that's a lie. That's a false mm -hmm. belief. The truth is everything in life happens for a reason. And most of the time, the reason is you. It's well you. said. Okay. <laughs> Not every time before somebody gets all worked up, but most of the time it's you. Yeah. And what yeah. that means is that your choices have created your life and your choices starting today and tomorrow and the next day will create your life in the future. And so you can create a different life for yourself by changing your daily choices, by shifting, see what I did there? I see. By, by shifting into a new routine, right? And it's, yes. again, it's, it's not like, uh, it seems overwhelming, but it, it really just boils down to just simple changes in your daily routine, right? Simple shifts in your daily routine, what you're eating, exercising every day, at least six days a week, 
changing the way you think. So mm-hmm. w- we create stress by our, all of our stress. Most of it starts with, is, is really created in our mind, right? It starts with our thoughts and you have to catch yourself thinking negatively and interrupt it, right? You've got to interrupt yep. and hijack your bad thought habits. So for example, when I had cancer, I was dealing with a lot of fear, right? The cancer diagnosis itself is a, uh, is a traumatic event in your life. Yeah, It is a, uh, some people get PTSD, right? Classic, classic PTSD from the diagnosis. It's that traumatic. And uh, so every day when you have cancer, the fear is trying to creep in. Like, what's going to happen? Am I going to die? Am I going to, what's going to happen to my family? Am I going to suffer? You know, right? These are scary thoughts. Yeah. And so in the middle of those thoughts, I would just have to catch myself and say, okay, all right, God, I'm giving you my fear. I trust you. You're in control of my life right? Just show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to change. I'm trusting you to lead me, right? And to provide for me and to direct my path. There's a proverb that says, a man makes plans, but the Lord directs his steps. That's very encouraging, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And then, yeah. of course, one of my favorite verses is Romans eight twenty eight, which says, we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And so, that was the first verse that really came to mind when I was diagnosed and I just thought, okay, I'm going to believe this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm exercising my faith. I'm going to choose to believe that God is going to work this for my good. I don't know how, and I don't like it. And I don't, can I trade places with anyone, please? Yeah. Yeah. But I love but how just, you, I love how you though have made that such an important um, piece of this, because I think that, you know, there are many people that don't, um, give enough uh, credence, credit, power to that higher power, whatever you want to call it, to God, to, you know, the the source of everything. Um, And I think that it's so important because that is such a key piece um, that your, whether it's your, you know, religious beliefs, your spiritual beliefs, whatever that relationship is you have with that higher power is so key, probably more key than anything else, than all of the other things that are all, you know, things that you should do that are valuable. But that that piece right there, I find to be fascinating. And I'm so glad that it was part of your process and that you also share that piece. Um, it's important. Yeah, it was faith. My faith was a huge part of my my journey. And and again, I got tremendous peace and comfort and uh, and encouragement and hope, you know, yeah. from j- just the simple belief that you know that god loves me and he created me and he has a purpose for my life and he cares about all the details in my life right and so so yeah i was heavily reliant on that and uh and i um so i would just give my fear and worry to god every time it creep up i would just say i'm giving you my fear i trust you right i'm not going to be afraid i'm not going to let fear take over my mind and my heart and steal my joy right right i'm not going to let it steal my joy and then uh, I would catch myself thinking, you know, I'm I'm a only child, I'm sort of a type A, very driven kind of person, or I was, I'm, I'm not really that way now, but I was as a young person, and I was very competitive and prone to envy and jealousy, and I was never happy for other people's success, I was always just mm-hmm. jealous of them. 
And uh, <laughs> despite, you know, even if I had good things in my life, you know, I, I could only just be jealous of others. And then I got cancer. And now I'm just jealous of everybody who doesn't have cancer. Right? <laughs> and resentful of all i'm like look at this guy just walking walking through his walking around walking down the street like like you know doesn't you know i'm jealous of him because he doesn't have cancer right and so i had to catch myself in those thoughts and, and yeah. decide okay i'm being jealous i'm being envious right now this is not good for me I, mm -hmm. i'm just gonna stop <laughs> right and mm -hmm. so again these are bad habits you can break your bad habits if you yeah. if you decide to Right. You have to want to change and then right. you got to work on it. Yeah. And then the yeah. Other thing, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to change. It's like AA, you know, if you're an alcoholic, like the alcohol, the first thing an alcoholic has to do is admit they have a problem. Right. They're not going to change if they don't admit they have a problem. And a lot of cancer patients don't want to change because mm -hmm. they don't want to admit they have a problem. They don't yeah. want to face down their fault, their flaws and failures. Right. They don't want to look in the mirror and really admit to themselves right? That, that they have, you know, made a lot of mistakes, right? That's mm -hmm. hard on the ego, right? Mm -hmm. It's humbling to say, man, you know what? This may be my fault. All my problems yeah. may be, may actually be my fault and not anybody else's. And the mm -hmm. reality is they're your problems, right? They're not anybody else's problems. They're mm -hmm. your problems. So you might as well yeah. take ownership of them and, and start working to solve the problems in your life. And in solving those problems, if, I like to say, and I'd say this in my second book, Beat Cancer Daily, if you solve, you, you want to become a problem solver, right? And if you solve enough problems, you get well. <laughs> That's so true. We were, I just said it in, a, in a, a line last week when we were talking about higher consciousness. And I said, you're, you're either going to be part of the problem or part of the solution. And if you find out you've got a problem like cancer, you can continue to to breathe life into that problem, or you can be willing to take the responsibility and the ownership of, of what perhaps you have been doing, thinking, saying, how you've been behaving that's gotten you into this spot. Taking ownership, like you said, though, that's a big thing because that 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 involves owning up to things that you may not feel good about owning up to. And then even if you get that far, now, if you've admitted that to yourself or to somebody close to you, now you have to decide if you're going to do something about it. Because if you don't, now you really look like a loser. Well, I know I could, you know, be moving on this path to, to a solution. I know I could be making these changes, but still not going to do it. So that that doesn't sit well. And if you, but if you don't admit it, you don't have to kind of even, yeah. you don't have admitting to do that you, either, right? Admitting you have a problem and then not changing it actually makes you kind of worse off. Right, think, exactly. You know? Yeah, not exactly. working to change it. And the way, I love yeah. what you said about breathing life into the, to your problem. You know, it's kind of like if you imagine your problem is a fire, right? Something's on fire, right? If you add oxygen to the fire, it grows, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, uh, but so you got a choice. Like, am I if it, am I fueling this fire with my choices, with my actions, or uh, or am I trying to stomp it out? Mm -hmm. Right? Am I trying to suffocate it? So yeah. you got a choice, right? You can work work to stomp it out and suffocate it, put the fire out, or you can just keep breathing life into it. You can keep promoting it and fueling it. So this is empowering, right? Because your choices really do 
matter. They really create your life and health and your future. And again, some things are out of your control, but most things are not out of yeah. your control. Yeah. And we know, yeah. so to bring it, to bring it back to reality, 90% of cancers roughly are caused by diet, lifestyle, and environmental factors. Mm -hmm. That's most cancer, right? Most cancers yep. are caused by our diet, lifestyle choices, and environmental factors. And these are all things that are in your control. Some environmental factors are sneaky and insidious, right? Like yeah, hexavalent chromium in your drinking water or something, you didn't know about it. Right. But, but generally speaking, you still have, a, once you have the, uh, the realization that you can control your environment, you can change environments, right? Once you realize, yeah. oh, I, I live next to a chemical factory. <laughs> okay, I, let me, I'm gonna move. Right. Right. I'm going to move right. away from this toxic place. Right. right. I work in a, in a, in a, some type of manufacturing facility with smoke and fumes and dust and dirt and debris and stuff. Like I, this is probably not good for me. Like breathing all this stuff every day. I, mm -hmm. I sh should try to find a different job. Right. So that's, that's the thing. Like you can control your environment once you uh, have awareness of yeah. the impact it may be having on your health. Exactly. I know a guy who got cancer. He went to my church. He, he had uh, advanced cancer and he worked as he was a printer, right? So he was in printing business and he was constantly mm -hmm. around all that ink, the fumes, oh. the toxic. Remember like, you remember the smell of Kinko's? Remember when you go into mm -hmm. Kinko's and you smell that, mm -hmm. that copier smell like all right. day, every day? Yeah. So that's the kind of business he was in. Although I don't think it was a Kinko's, but anyway. Kinko's yeah. is gone. I guess we can talk bad about Kinko's because it's kind of got bought out. But the <laughs> point <laughs> right. is, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, but he wouldn't quit his job, right? He just kept working there, you know, and he did die of cancer. Yeah. Um, and so diet, lifestyle, and environment, these are major contributors. These are all things that you can change for mm -hmm. the better. And so I made a decision to overdose on nutrition. I made a decision to exercise every day. I made a decision to, to, get really get, give myself a sober analysis on the way that I was thinking and behaving. Mm. And so I get, you know, I was constantly giving my worries and fears to God and choosing not to worry. I was catching myself in pessimistic, critical, judgmental, negative thinking, right. Uh, and interrupting that and choosing not to, I was practicing gratitude and counting my blessings every day because cancer taught me how to be content in the most difficult, scariest season of my life. Yeah. Right? It tossed me, taught, taught me to, I'm just so happy to get out of bed. I'm just so happy that I have a wife who loves me and that I have a roof over my head and enough money to pay my next set of bills. Life yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You really so, shifted your focus onto all of those wonderful things. Yes. That yeah. is the thing, right? Focus. Shifting your focus because mm -hmm. at any point in life, you can focus on people who you perceive have, have it better off than you, right? Mm -hmm. You can focus on the things that you don't have and that makes you unhappy. That will make you miserable and jealous and envious and unhappy. Or you can shift your focus to the things you do have and you can count your blessings. You can shift your focus to people who, has, who have less than you and you realize, wow, I'm, I'm really blessed. My life is really good. It could be so much worse. And I have this gratitude hack. I know we're running out of time. So I have this gratitude hack that I want to share with your audience. And this works every time. It's like Colt 45. 
works nice. every time. <laughs> so anytime I start to feel frustrated, right, or upset or angry about something trivial or even something that's maybe not so trivial, I, I can catch myself in that moment of frustration or anger or whatever. And and I, this one phrase is like a hard reset for me. And this is it. I just say, you know what? Right now, there's someone dying in the hospital who would give anything to trade places with you. Mm -hmm. That's Powerful. It. I, I just have to meditate on that fact for one moment. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. These problems are no big deal. Right. There are people who would love to have my problems. They yeah. would love it. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I, again, it just, it's just like that. It just shifts me out of this reactive emotional state, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and back to gratitude and joy and contentment and peace. So I love that. Those are the, those are huge things. And of course I would be remiss if I didn't at least squeeze this in. I'd made a decision to forgive every person who had ever hurt me. And this, what you mentioned about your mom, you know, the unresolved emotional conflict and pain from right. your past, right? Yeah. You can't get away from it. You cannot run away from it. You have to face it head on. And the only way to remove the pain that people have caused you, if you're still carrying the anger and bitterness is to forgive them. Yeah. And the forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so key. I think too, because those, those other, those two things that aren't, um, like, you know, exercise and food diet, um, other physical bad stuff. habits. Yeah. The physical stuff, those other two things, the key things that the stress for, from whatever the causes, the forgiveness, if you, if you do all the other things, but you don't do those two, those are so foundational, then they don't work. They're not yeah. going to work. They're, and they're not going to work effectively. They're not going to work indefinitely. You have to get to those core, core things. And then you, you do that, and then you bring in all of the other things on top of that. Now you're, now you're cooking with gas. Now you have a, a real shot at completely reinventing your body. It's a... Uh, it's it's so key, and I know that we're at, we're at about at the top of our hour, and I have like a shit ton more stuff I want to talk to you about. because <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really want to get into a little more of the specifics of of what you did. I want to talk about, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the what your what the prognosis was that they gave you. Um, and I think that that's important. We didn't touch on that. Um, there's just, there's several things. So it, would you be willing to come back next week and just continue sure, we can, this? Yeah, we can continue the conversation. I got to plug my new book. I've got a brand new cookbook yes. out. You mentioned it at the top of the show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's called Beat Cancer Kitchen. It's a plant-based, whole food plant-based cookbook, full color. And uh, there's two sections in the book. One is the hardcore anti-cancer diet for healing. And then the other is just whole food, plant-based recipes for prevention, just for just yeah. healthy living, good. right? Just getting lots of good nutrition in your body every day. And so here's the book right here. It's, it comes out <laughs> November 16th. Look awesome. at that beautiful cover. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that's and, gorgeous. Uh, that's gorgeous, Chris. And I love that too, because a lot of people, um, I know clients that I work with are like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to change my diet. Yes, I want to, you know, fill in the blank. But not everybody has the, the, um, 
the motivation or the time or the whatever to actually go out and find what those things are. And, and if they do, they're so um, overwhelmed by all of the information and a lot of it conflicting. They don't know where to start, what to do. So I think something like what you've got there to say, here's a blueprint. If, if you aren't somebody that is going to, you know, investigate and go out and dig around and figure it out yourself, you don't have to. You've provided it for them so that all they have to do is <laughs> follow the blueprint and that makes it easy for a lot of people. Um, That's what I'm trying we, to do. I really yeah. am trying to make it simple to remove the, the confusion and complication around health. Because, yeah. but you know, there, we've, we've kind of covered this, but there's the physical stuff, which is that stuff's the easiest. It's anyone yes. can change their diet overnight. Anyone can start exercising overnight. And those are the things you should do immediately because once you start doing those, you realize, okay, I can do more. What's next? And then that's when you start working on the mental, emotional, and spiritual stuff, right? And like you said, yes. I, and which I absolutely want to um, want to concur with uh, wholeheartedly, which is that if you don't work on your mental, emotional, and spiritual health, then then the, the stress, right, really is what we're talking about. It will be the biggest barrier to healing. Yeah, you can do all the physical stuff, but if you don't forgive you probably won't get well. So it's worth it, right? Forgive the people who have hurt you. Just give them to God. Just say, I forgive them. They're all yours, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to carry this pain, this bitterness, this anger anymore. And forgive me for holding on to it for so long. Perfect. I love that. It is, it's absolutely such a key thing that we can't stress it enough. So we're going to come back next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about this stuff and get into a few more of the other um, of some of the other protocols that you tried. And um, before I let you go, where should people go to find out more about you and what you have to offer? Well, the easiest place to find me is chrisbeatcancer.com. Of course, I'm on social media as chrisbeatcancer. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Got a, a huge YouTube channel. It's been going for 11 years. And uh, and yeah, my books are pretty much, uh, of course, they're on Amazon. You can get them anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. You can pre-order Beat Cancer Kitchen now. And uh, again, it comes out in two weeks or November 16th. I don't know when this interview will, will air. <laughs> and, uh, and It'll be so, close yeah. to that, yeah. Yeah, and that, uh, so I'm pretty easy okay. to find. And, and I'll just... Uh, just to, so folks know, chrisbeatcancer.com is a huge repository of resources. It's all free. I've interviewed dozens of doctors and holistic cancer survivors and experts. And all the information there is there to encourage you and inspire you and give you practical, actionable information that you can use to help yourself heal, you know, to survive and thrive or to prevent chronic perfect. disease. Yeah, perfect. And, uh, yeah, the website is great. I've been on your spectacular. There is so much good information on there uh, that anybody that is really interested in trying to get a handle on cancer, whether it's for yourself or for somebody that you know, um, it's a, Chris is just a huge um, well of resource, and he's he's been there. He's done it. He's a, a walking testimonial of what's possible. So uh, we will put though uh, your YouTube channel and your. Uh, website in the show notes as well. So people can find you easily. And then uh, I will look forward to having, uh, completing this conversation more next week. So thank you so much, Chris. And uh, 
that's a wrap, everybody. Make sure to check out Chris's website and all of the great resources that he has to help you or those you care about on, on the healing journey. And to find out what coaching with me is all about, just head on over to lauriebischoff.com. Of course, we would love it if you would share this. Um, surely you know somebody that needs to hear this. So please share this episode. Give us a rating and a review. It really inspires other people to come and listen to all of the good shift being shared here. So until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay curious and go make some epic shifts happen in your lives. Oh, that goes for you too, Gary Vee.